This episode is brought to you by the 2017 Two Brain UK Summit in London, England. We're inviting all of our European friends to join us November 11th and 12th at Thames CrossFit in London, England for our annual roadshow. We don't do a lot of traveling outside North America anymore, but our 2017 summit in Chicago was massive. We had 180 guests, we had some amazing speakers, and we're going to be bringing that circus to the UK and across broader Europe too. If you're in the UK, or if you love the Two Brain stuff and you're in Europe and you can't make it to North America, this summit is for you. You can find more information on the TwoBrainBusiness.com site under Seminars. Hope to see you there. In 2014, I landed my dream job, writing full-time for CrossFit Inc. Greg Glassman himself hired me. We made a deal in Seattle at the original Starbucks location. That was pretty awesome for me. It was also paralyzing. Over the next six months, I struggled to get anything written and published. Up until that point, I'd had no problem publishing. I had written over 400 blog posts on don'tbuyads.com and then other websites too. I had already published my first book, Two Brain Business. But when it came to Greg, I had a hell of a time getting words on paper. One of the first articles I was writing for Greg was called The Grit of Chess, and I traveled all over the place to get pieces for this article. I went to chess tournaments. I played chess against people much better than myself. I challenged people on the streets of New York. I started writing about Lego, and I interviewed uh, Carol Dweck's assistant. And I had these great stories, and it was 3,000 words long, and I just couldn't submit it. It took me about five months to get that first story submitted, and because it was linked to an initiative that never went anywhere, it was never actually published on the site. It was one of my best articles, but... I was so overwhelmed with trying to please Greg that I had a tough time getting it done. Two weekends ago, I was in Collingwood, Ontario, and I was holding up a copy of Two Brain Business, which was originally published in 2012. The original version had a hand-drawn face with a brain on the cover, this bright green cover, and I took it to Fort Lauderdale to present at one of my first affiliate seminars ever. I wrote it because... I knew Ben Bergeron would be there and he would have a book and Forrest Walden from Iron Tribe would be there and he would have you know something amazing to hand out and I thought I'm going to compile all these blog posts together into a book. I didn't have time to proofread it. I didn't have time to put chapters in. The thing is very imperfect but it got done. The funniest part of this is in Collingwood two weekends ago I was holding this book up to show people and I noticed the back cover says Chris Cooper of 321 Go Project. Now, as many listeners know, I worked for 321 Go Project for a couple of years and really kicked off their mentoring program, but I'm not there anymore. And so it's really funny that I haven't even updated the back cover of this book to show that my mentoring program is now at twobrainbusiness.com. Of course, I will get to that. But the point of this episode is to getting unstuck, to taking imperfect action, to overcoming overwhelm and these feelings like, hey, I don't know what to do first or I don't know how to do this perfectly. And so you wind up doing nothing at all. This is a more and more common topic when I'm talking to affiliate owners now. Five years ago in this community, we had a lack of knowledge. You could log into the CrossFit.com message boards and you could get some good discussion and some good opinion on what was working in other boxes. But just like today, a lot of that opinion was, you know, based on the feeling of help first, but not really useful, not applicable, and usually not scalable. Sometimes it was flat out wrong, but there wasn't a lot of it. So you tried two or three different things. You found out what worked and eventually you found something. You rolled with it. Today, 
you have almost 15,000 affiliates with their own experiences and their own opinions who are more than happy to share them, but it's really hard to sift through the clutter and say, well, who is actually compared to things? It can become paralyzing because now we have knowledge and we have choice. And a few weeks ago, I recorded a podcast episode called Action that I recommend you listen to if you haven't yet. In the blog post that accompanies this podcast, I'm also going to link to two very helpful resources from Seth Godin, one of my all-time heroes. The first is called What You're Going to Do With That Duck. And Seth talks about the need to just ship and produce and practice production, even though it's imperfect. How's that for alliteration? The second is also by Seth Godin, and it's a fantastic resource called The Ship It Journal. Seth refers to production as shipping, as just putting out your work, whether it's your best work or not, but publishing day after day after day. And this is what he does at sethgodin.com. These are both uh, other podcasts that you can listen to, and I've linked to what you're going to do with that duck because I think it's super important. Here's the synopsis. Most people are not like you and me, my friend. Most people are not entrepreneurs and will never be entrepreneurs. Some people think they want to be entrepreneurs. We call these level four thinkers. But the problem is they wait for things to be perfect. They try to get their ducks in a row. They try to get their brand made and they spend a lot of time on their branding or get their website made. Instead of hiring it out to somebody else, they learn how to program WordPress sites from scratch. I'm guilty here. So instead of doing the hard thing, they wind up doing a whole bunch of the easy things, which is, you know, they create their Facebook page, they get a nice color logo, they get their first t-shirts printed, but they don't negotiate their lease. They don't set an opening date. They don't ship because they're so busy waiting for perfect that they backfill all their time with these little easy tasks that don't actually result in them opening a business at all. Godin mentions in that book that if you're focused on getting your ducks in a row, you'll never actually hold the one duck in your hand. My friend, you and I already have the duck. We opened a business. We took advantage of this amazing opportunity presented by Greg Glassman and CrossFit Inc. to become entrepreneurs. This is an opportunity that you can have for $3,000 per year plus a great weekend. The cost to entry in our market is tiny. You can open a gym for under $20,000. You could do it in your garage. You can just work with your best friends all the time. You can exercise and you can get paid for it. When I graduated university, I've told this story a few times, the best paying jobs were about $26,000 working at other universities. So obviously there was a huge bottleneck in the system, but if you wanted to open a gym, it would have cost you easily a quarter million dollars. And that was 20 years ago. Glassman's system lets us all be entrepreneurs. It gives us the duck. And so most of us take this duck and we plop it in our bathtub and we start pouring the bath. The problem is nobody's ever told us what happens when the tub gets full. What happens when the water reaches our chin? And we start to feel like, uh-oh, I'm going under here. I don't know how to swim. And the duck isn't bobbing so easily anymore. First, I want to talk about how to get traction on your day. You probably have a massive to-do list. And in the podcast episode, Action, 
I talked to you about the importance of keeping a done list and a to-do list in itemizing your day so that you knew exactly when you were shipping and when you were being creative. But now I want to talk about the domino strategy. So the first thing that you do in your day during your action block, for me that's two hours long in the middle of the day after I work out, the first thing you want to do is look at the tasks that can be assigned to other people. So if you were just to push over one domino and other dominoes would fall from that, those are the tasks you should do first. What are some examples? Well, we have a midnight 5K coming up and I have staff who can run it if I choose a time and date and create a registration link on the website and maybe write a little blog post. That takes me about seven minutes. So if I write all those things, now I'm committed to a time and date and my staff person can take it from there. They can find sponsors. They can post a Facebook event. They can announce it at groups. They can coordinate it with all my coaches. I just have to push the first domino. What made it easy for me to just push that first domino? Well, I built my business the way we teach gyms to do so in the incubator. The incubator is just basically setting up all your dominoes so that you can just push one and the whole trail falls down after it. A whole sequence of events occurs. That's what a real business owner should be, is just the pusher of the first domino. Other examples. I can sign up with a marketing company. I push the first domino. I find the right person. I put in my uh, Visa card and they start working. They ask my staff for pictures for Facebook. They ask my staff for access to our website, to Google Analytics and all that stuff. And that's great. All I have to do is push the button. I could find a plumber to come in and remove a sink so that we can build a new dressing room or have more storage for our athletes in our ID program. All I have to do is make that call. The plumber will show up at the gym. He'll do the work. He'll meet the GM. I won't have to be there. He'll send me the bill. And then my weekend staff will start building shelves. Again, I'm just pushing the first domino. How do you get started? I said in our incubator, we want to set you up so that you can become the pusher of dominoes. But the way that you get started with this is the roles and tasks exercise. You break every single job in your gym into its own role. So think about the hats that you wear over the course of a day. You've got the booking and billing hat. You have the um, customer service hat, the email answerer hat, the CrossFit coach hat, the personal trainer hat, the programmer hat. You get it. There's at least 15 different hats that you're wearing every day. The first thing you need to do is spell out exactly what you're doing in each job. How do you run a CrossFit class? How do you evaluate a good CrossFit class? How do you run a personal training session? How do you program a personal training session? You need to write all those things down so that you can become completely replaceable in each one of those roles. It's not about retiring and sitting on the beach all day. It's about using your time for high value work and hiring people to do low value work for you. Now, after you've done roles and tasks, your next job is to find who's going to be best at each role. It doesn't make sense to hire one full-time person and say, okay, you're in charge of coaching and programming and sales and booking and billing because that's a very diverse skill set and probably one of those roles is not going to make them happy. They're probably not going to do a perfect job at every one, but I've addressed that on other podcasts before. We need an evaluation process so that we can tell how well a staff person is doing. And this has to be done at least quarterly with coaches, but also with admin staff. And finally, you need regular staff meetings. Our staff meetings are the first Saturday of every month. And here's how they go. 
we spend three minutes because we start precisely on time. We spend the first three minutes working on one small fixable thing that we need to get perfect. For example, that could be clients signing into classes. We're going to spend the next 30 days focused only on getting clients to sign into classes and we're going to get that to 100%. Then we're going to talk about our rocks. And if you haven't read Traction or Get a Grip, I'll link to those in the podcast notes too. Your rocks are the big projects that each staff person is responsible for. We want to talk about those early in the meeting, but we want to limit talking time to five minutes. So for example, one staff person's rock might be that midnight 5K. Another staff person's rock might be holding goal reviews with all of our clients. And another's rock might be setting up the Catalyst Games. They each have five minutes. We talk about how they're doing with each thing, what exactly they're struggling on, what's impeding their momentum, and how I can help it. Then we move into coaching cues. We take continuing education extremely seriously, and this is why we have the UpCoach program, because we want all of our coaches getting better every single month. So we address things in a continuing education format. And then the last piece is a short little workout with camp firing. This is not going to be a massive wad that you need to warm up and practice skills for. This is going to be like Tabata squats and push-ups just to get heart rates flowing, brains open, and discussion going too. The last three minutes of our work of our staff meeting are for campfiring. So we're, that's when we start talking about what's going on in the gym. Before we have that conversation, I want all the coaches to feel like they are part of a tribe, that we're all on the same team here, and that we're working together to solve problems. That's why we do that little workout. It's not because I need to show dominance. That's a laugh because I'd be in last place among my coaches now. It's not that I need our team to uh, sweat together. It's that I need us to open up our brains. What you should be able to do at these staff meetings is not just evaluate coaches. It's not just share gossip in the box, heaven forbid. What you should be able to do, though, is to gain traction and gain some momentum or to be able to assign tasks to other people, to push over that first domino. And that's the point. Make these staff meetings as predictable as you can. Keep them focused and on time as much as you can. And if you have to pay people to attend, do it because it's worth it. The next step to getting traction is to hire people to do lower value tasks. Now, a lower value task might mean something that is just not worth your time like cleaning. If you know that your time is worth $400 an hour, then your business can simply not afford to hire you as a cleaner. You can't look at it as, well, my time is free. You have to look at it as my time is expensive because I know what else I could be doing with this time. So if you say my time is worth at least $70 an hour because that's what I could make with a personal training client, then it doesn't make sense to hire yourself to clean. It does make sense to hire yourself to do marketing Maybe. If you are looking to learn how to do marketing because that makes you happy, that's great. But if you're looking to hire somebody for $70 an hour who has no idea how to do marketing and they're going to have to learn from scratch and you're going to have to pay them to learn that and then they're going to have to do a lot of trial and error and they're going to spend a whole bunch of money on Facebook ads and they don't really know how to track results, then yeah, go ahead and hire yourself because that's what you're paying for. You are paying that person, you, $70 an hour to learn all that stuff. 
if you're having trouble figuring out how to raise rates. You can pay somebody $70 an hour to search Facebook groups for answers, to download a template, to write the letter and be scared to send it. Or you can book a call with a mentor who will walk you through the process and hold you accountable. Either way, you're hiring someone. And if you take this mindset of hiring yourself for jobs, it becomes very clear where your time should be best spent and what is a good use for your time. Your time is not cheap. Your time is expensive. You have to be able to invest it in the places where you're most gifted. That could be meeting one-on-one with your clients. That might even be coaching. But if your time is not well invested in doing marketing, bookkeeping, billing, graphic design, logo design, website building, hire somebody else to do that. So what are the big problems that you need to be solving first? Well, what I'd like you to do now is hit pause on this, and I'm visualizing a tape machine in my head because that's what I grew up with. Hit pause on this podcast, and I want you to make a list of your 10 biggest problems right now. Go ahead. I need to fire this staff member maybe, or I need to raise my rates, or I need to sell more personal training. I need to increase my profit. Go ahead and write all those down. The next thing you're going to do is ask yourself which problem will solve all of the other problems if you fix that one thing. For example, if you raise rates, maybe you don't have to sell as much personal training or vice versa. If you start selling personal training, maybe you won't have to raise rates. Which of those things would kill that profit problem, which would knock it off the board? Maybe if you move to a smaller location and you cut your overhead, you wouldn't have to raise rates and you wouldn't have to sell more personal training and you'd have more profit. Ask yourself which of those problems you could solve that would eliminate the need to solve any of the other problems. The next thing I want you to do is write down what the steps are to solving that problem. So if the problem is I need to raise rates, I want you to write down all the steps. The first step to raising rates is just to calculate what your rates should be. That's not threatening, that's just math. You can write that on a napkin and burn the napkin later and nobody will ever see it. What is the very first step? Maybe the first step to selling more personal training is coming up with your personal training rates. Well, that's not hard. Look around at the Globo gyms and see what they're charging for personal training in your market. Then bump yourself up 15% and that's your rate. Is that the right rate for everybody? No, but it's okay to be wrong too. Go ahead and put that rate on your website. But the first thing you need to do is decide what that rate is going to be. Maybe you need to eliminate grandfathered rates. Okay, what's the first step to eliminating grandfathered rates? Calculating how many people have grandfathered rates. Great. It's not polling what would I do of other affiliate owners because, frankly, a lot of us have handled this badly. The first step is just figuring out what is the first step? How many people have grandfathered rates? Is it an actual problem? The second step is to figure out exactly how much more money would I make? Would it solve all of these other problems if I just eliminated the grandfathering? For me, it did. It solved a ton of problems. And after going through this now about 84 times with different gyms, I'll tell you, the pressure is lessened considerably when you get rid of grandfathered rates. Maybe that's the first problem you need to fix. The next step to getting unstuck is just taking that first step. Okay? Because what we need here is to start gaining some momentum. I've said often on this podcast that motivation depends on success. Success doesn't depend on motivation. 
So while most people in the fitness industry are telling you like you need to get up, slap yourself in the face 10 times, splash cold water on yourself and get after it, I think the opposite is actually true. You need to be successful. You need to get up and make your bed. Have some early success. Sit down and write 200 words. Sit down and answer emails. Sit down and write 10 thank you notes. That success will give you the motivation to continue with everything else. So when you're identifying the first step, I want you to take that step right away so that now you have some success. And success will give you momentum. Then I want you to decide what is the second step and take that. You don't have to take the big step. You don't have to do the hard thing yet, which is explain to your clients why the rates are going up or why the grandfather rates are going away or why uh, they need to do personal training more often. You don't have to do the hard thing yet. I just want you to take the second step. What is that thing? Break down all the steps. Now, when our mentors go through training, this is one of the things that they learn is how to break big problems into tiny bite-sized steps so that by the time a client gets scared, they realize they're already halfway down the road, they've got momentum behind them, and they really can't stop the bus if they wanted to. And then it's done and things are great. At Ignite Gym, we deal a lot with clients who suffer from anxiety or depression. They blow things out of proportion a lot. And so these small little tasks become these big insurmountable obstacles where you know talking to a person can be paralyzing because they're so scared of saying the wrong thing. Because what they've done is played through the scenario a thousand different ways and some of those ways might be bad. This is the same thing that you're probably doing. When it comes to making a tough decision or doing a hard thing, you're probably walking through the scenarios in your mind and playing all the bad ones on repeat. So what I want you to do is ask yourself, could I live with the worst case scenario? What is the worst thing that could happen? Everybody quits my gym and I start from scratch. Okay, is that so bad? Would you survive? If you're listening to this podcast, you probably own an iPhone, which means you probably would not wind up living on the streets if your business failed. And a lot of us, frankly, would welcome the opportunity to start from scratch with a blank slate. So I want you to start breaking your big problems into the smallest, most manageable steps you possibly can. When you get to the hard part of the equation, okay, I've got to send this letter uh, explaining that our rates are going up, Break that down into small manageable steps. Step one, compose the letter. Step two, spell check the letter. Step three, cut and paste the letter into MailChimp. Step four, uh, send the letter to this list. Okay, step five, literally write it down on a whiteboard for yourself and check things off as you go. Remember, it's important to see the work that you've done because success creates momentum. Now I want to talk about the paralyzing effects of opportunity. A lot of people listening to this podcast see the word unstuck and they think it's a negative. But frankly, too much choice is just as sticky and just as paralyzing as big problems are. It's easy to get stuck on a blank slate. If you had to make up a workout for your class today and you didn't know what came yesterday and you didn't know what was coming before or tomorrow and you saw this blank slate, where would you start? It's very easy to start with a workout and make little tweaks to scale it, right? It's very hard to start with a blank slate. This is called the curse of the architect. And the story goes like this. 
A renowned architect was given a blank piece of land on which to build a home for his daughter and his new son-in-law as a wedding present. The problem was the architect had never worked from a blank slate before because he was renowned for fixing problems in other buildings, for upgrading other buildings, for decorating other buildings, and just making them beautiful. Starting from a blank slate meant he had nothing to fix, that all of his work would be open to the same judgment and criticism, but it would be all his work. He would be judged, obviously, on the production of this thing, and so it took him months and months and months to start. Think back to the start of this episode when I was talking about writing that article called The Grid of Chess for Greg. There was no template. There was nothing on which to start. There were no similar articles ever written on the benefits of playing chess for cognition in CrossFit or using Legos to break through cognitive barriers or Carol Dweck's research on grit and the growth mindset. I had to start from scratch, and that blank slate was paralyzing. At some point in your entrepreneurial career, you're going to be faced with some big opportunities, and you're going to have to choose one. The first thing I want you to do is to give yourself permission to not do everything. You don't have to do everything. Or you can do everything, but you can't do it all right now. So beside your to-do list, beside your done list, I want you to add a list called 2018. You are allowed, I hereby give you solemn permission to add things to your 2018 list. So for example, you have a big opportunity to launch a new software company, but your gym is only barely profitable. You've just finished the incubator and you see a a great road ahead if you capitalize on it. So you see this opportunity to build a piece of software and you think, wow, that might go to a million dollars, but I've already got momentum and action on my gym. Write the piece of software on the 2018 board. Get it out of your brain. Give yourself permission to do it later. This is not the same as procrastination. What this is, is you getting unstuck. It's you beating overwhelm by timelining out your work in advance. Maybe in 2018, you'll come back to that project, or maybe you'll have an even bigger, better project, or maybe somebody else will have already done that project. That's fine. Fear of missing out can really stop you from taking any kind of action at all. It's better to take some imperfect action right now than to say, okay, well, I'm going to work on this giant project, this mammoth that might not get off the ground and might stop me from doing the small things that will make a daily incremental difference. So start a 2018 board and put some projects on that. Next, if you've listened to the Dan Martell episode, I was talking about how opportunity can be so paralyzing. And Dan was talking about making your one thing your one thing. If you own a gym, that should be your focus. Everything you do should be focused on that gym. Sometimes, because we're drugged down in the day-to-day operations of the gym, we think, oh, this is going too slow. I only got one new person this week. Um, You know, the gym is not growing. It's July. I've got three hours in the middle of the day. I need to start a t-shirt company. So you kick off this, you know, side hustle or whatever. But what happens there is you stop focusing on the gym. You start something else from scratch that's going to be hard. And you get into this startup mentality we are always starting, 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 never getting things to the growth stage, never actually capitalizing on anything, never actually retiring. Instead, you've earned a career as a startup specialist. Startup specialist career is a common joke in the entrepreneurial industry because people who do startups usually lose a lot of money and they usually never capitalize on it. 
They start and start and start and start, and they can't finish. It's really important that you focus on one big project. And part of the, the strategy that's helped me is to put other big projects on my 2018 list so that I don't have to think about them right now. The next way to evaluate opportunities is to ask yourself, how quickly can I pass this off? How quickly can I start this thing up and then exit the idea? So let's say that you have an idea for a nutrition program. Nutrition programs are amazing, and if you're using Nicola Coyne's Healthy Steps program, it's really quick and easy to implement. But if you're the gym owner, I don't want you to be the one implementing it because what you're going to do is just buy yourself another job. Instead, I want you to look around your staff Ask them who wants this opportunity, train them to do it, maybe do it with them the first time, run the first nutrition challenge or walk them through the first few nutrition uh, consultations and then hand it off to them. So when you're choosing opportunities, you want to search for the most leverageable first because your time, again, is the only real asset that you have as an entrepreneur. You need to start projects, you need to leave tracks, and then you need to hand them off to somebody else. So which opportunity is most leverageable? Third, you want to look at which opportunity will add the most to your lifestyle goals. So every two brain client, when they reach the growth stage, has certain goals, profitability, travel, education, service to others. And we track these goals every month on their call. When you see a new opportunity, like maybe open another location, you want to say, does this get me closer to achieving my profit goals or does it set me back? Am I just buying more work, buying more clients? Uh, am I just afraid of missing out on this opportunity or will it actually increase my profitability? Then you wanna look at your lifestyle. Will opening this second box increase the time I have at home with my family or decrease it? Will this help me serve others? You know, Maybe that's a check mark. Will this help me travel more? Will I learn more from opening this second box? The sum of all those different goals is perfect day, lifestyle, service, profitability, time, etc. You want to ask yourself, will this project move me closer to perfect day or am I opening it just for the sake of opening it? Am I buying myself a second job? Am I seeing an opportunity and do I need to take that opportunity or is it better to leave that for somebody else? You are a filter, my friend. You are a filter for your clients. They have more than enough information. They need you to tell them which of it is right. You're also a filter for your family. You need to filter what comes into your home. You need to filter how much time you spend away from them and what kind of mood you're in when you do see them. What makes an entrepreneur great is not how many businesses she can start. It's not what she can include in her life, what she can pack in. It's what she can exclude. One of the last points that I'm going to make in this podcast is if you really want to get traction, you need to exclude things. You've heard the phrase addition by subtraction. We do this a lot. So when somebody comes into our incubator program, we eliminate outside noise. We don't say, here are 50 opportunities. Here are 30 ideas. Go. Motivation. Motivation. Instead, what we do is we say, here's step one. Do this by Tuesday. On Tuesday, we say, here is step two. Here is some help. Here's your progress so far. I'll call you next Tuesday to make sure this is done. And then I send them a pound of coffee and they get to work. They spend 45 minutes to an hour a day working on very specific tasks. The magic of the incubator 
is partially the knowledge. It's partially what's included, but more than anything else, it's what we exclude. We remove this overwhelmed feeling. We remove the paralysis of choice, and we say, try it this way for three months. We don't put our incubator clients into our private Facebook group because there are 300 very bright, very entrepreneurial box owners in there who have big ideas that would just paralyze incubator clients until they're ready. When they're ready, they join that growth stage group and the world expands tenfold. But until then, they need to be focused. They need to exclude things. They need positive constraints. And that's my job as their mentor. In your life, what can you exclude? For me, it was doing CrossFit competitions. When I started to get serious about my business, I realized that I needed all of my focus and attention and energy to go into building this business. So we stopped doing CrossFit competitions. Teams from my gym still do. They still travel. They do competitions. That's awesome. But I don't anymore because my focus is on the business itself and getting home to my amazing wife and kids. So after you make your 2018 list, here are some opportunities that I'm going to pursue, but not right now. I want you to make your exclusions list. For the next three months, I vow to exclude blank. Call it lifestyle Lent. I'm going to give up chocolate for three months. Maybe that's a bad example. But maybe you're going to give up gossip for three months. Maybe you're going to give up personal Facebook use for three months. Maybe you're going to give up six workouts, six workouts a week for three months and cut down to four. Whatever that is... You need to know what you're excluding from your life and make a conscious decision to do that. A very simple example. Between 4 a.m. and 7 a.m., I turn off notifications on my laptop. I get about 80 emails and about 50 to 60 texts a day. I don't want to get them during my productive shipping time. I don't want a little chime to sound every time somebody has an idea that they want to share with me. I love talking to people and I will do that after 8 a.m. But between 5 and 8, I'm going to be working on shipping. And so my last point in this podcast is the practice of shipping, of consistently putting something out there that's probably imperfect, but doing it every single day. When I wrote Two Brain Business, and I keep using this as an example because it is so imperfect, this book was published on the spur of a moment, pulled from about 400 blog articles that I had on don'tbuyads.com. There's a part two in this book, but there's no part one. The original edition had no page numbers and a hand-drawn cover. It had no table of contents. And I still get emails all the time uh, from people who are offering to edit it for free. I'll fix this for you. This is the best-selling fitness business book of all time. It sold well over 11,000 copies in the last few years. Most of the people who get on a call with me say that they've read my book. People ask me to autograph this book. I'm not kidding. It's flattering, but it's incredibly surprising. And two weeks ago, a new friend told me that he opened his gym because he read my book and felt he had to. But the point is that this book is not perfect. It might be really good. Lots of people tell me that it is, but it is far from perfect. It's compiled of a bunch of imperfect, small, measurable steps that I did every day. What I want you to do is committing to ship something every single day. If you have attended one of our seminars before, I have challenged you to produce 30 days of content following the seminar. 
I choose content because that is really powerful to warm up your audience, to establish your authority, to make new friends, to dominate your niche. But it could be anything. It doesn't have to be content production. But what I want you to start with today is the easy stuff. Go on your website. Look at the biographies of your coaches. Do they need to be updated? If so, write them yourself. Write them one at a time. Publish them one at a time. Do one today, one tomorrow. Start with your own if you want to. Write a glowing review for each one. Tell the story of how you met. Tell people why that coach is you know, so expert at teaching CrossFit or teaching weightlifting or gymnastics or whatever. But tell a story. You write it. Flatter them. Start there and you'll see how easy it is. Tomorrow, pick the next coach and keep going, keep going. If you've already done that or that's too hard, start with your own story. What led you to open a box? You know, what were the hurdles that you overcame on the way there? It doesn't have to be a book. You don't ever have to publish anything. You can just write it on a blog or 750words.com that nobody ever sees. You can write it on a piece of paper if you want to. But start producing. Start shipping. Practice being imperfect. And we'll see where that gets you. This is how you beat overwhelm. If you're looking for another great resource, I recommend Stephen Pressfield's War of Art, in which he talks about finding a muse and just producing content for that muse every day. So if writing your coach's bios aren't enough, if writing your own biography isn't enough, if writing the story of your box isn't enough, then I want you to write love letters. That's right, love letters. I want you to find one ideal client who used to come to your box and doesn't anymore, who should be coming to your box but has never shown up, who goes to another box across town, who is a friend of yours but doesn't exercise, or maybe it's a parent and you know that exercise could save their life, but it isn't. And I want you to write them a letter. I want you to leave their name off that letter, and I want you to send that letter to your entire email list. This is called finding a muse. And you're going to use the muse as an excuse to produce content for your entire audience. I do this all the time. If you've gotten an email from me in the last little while, and if you haven't, you can sign up for these emails on our website, tbrainbusiness.com, you'll find that it sounds as if I'm writing something specifically to you. Now, it might not address a problem that you're currently having, but I promise you this, it's addressing a problem that somebody is currently having. And we're all in the same tiny niche. We belong to this tiny corner of CrossFit, which is a tiny corner of fitness, which is a tiny corner of you know human habits, which is a tiny corner of um, Western society, etc., etc., etc. The problems that you and I face are very similar. We're both gym owners. A non-gym owner is not going to understand the problems that we face, but you and I share those same problems. So when I'm writing about those problems, even if I'm writing to myself, there's a great chance that you face them. And if you pick out one of your clients or former clients or should-be clients and you write them a love letter, there's probably other people on your email list who need to hear that same message today, right now. Start with love, start with gratitude, start with help first, and that will get you unstuck. Next week, we'll be talking with Jay Augusta about how to find, recruit, and hire new coaches from outside the box. That's going to be an amazing episode. I'm really, really excited for it. 
Jer- Jeremy's program is called barbelljobs.com. You can check that out right now. It's a brand new service. Um, but Jeremy is a, a very interesting cat. And so you really want to make sure that you tune in next week when we're talking about finding and hiring staff. Until then, my friends, get unstuck. If you need help, go to twobrainbusiness.com forward slash help. You can watch a bunch of videos there that are really going to spur some action. And then you can sign up for a free call to talk about the incubator. Have a great week.